So good to be up here in Auckland City. I caused a lot of mischief in the city. Back in the day, I grew up actually in uh, Manurewa 266. Anyone from Manurewa? <laughs> anyway, I grew up in Manurewa and kind of like I said, caused a bit of mischief, so it's nice to be given back to the city. And uh, I actually stole my first Bible from a public school in, um, in Manurewa. And I know who steals a Bible? I mean, we give those things away for free, eh? And so, um, but uh, just caused a lot of trouble here. And it's amazing that, I mean, I'm grateful. I don't know if you're grateful, but I'm grateful that God is not a God who's looking at our past, but he's a God who's looking at our heart. Eh? He's looking for a heart that's hungry and a heart that's full of expectation and a willing heart. Hey, so good to be here with Livy. We had Wayne and Livy down with us and they're an amazing couple. Hey, can we put our hands together for her and just such a beautiful heart and spirit and Hey, um, I've got a, uh, I got a word. I'm going to mix it up a little bit tonight, but in the 20 odd minutes that I've got, and just want to share on a simple thought tonight uh, that Jesus is greater than religion. Jesus is greater than religion. And maybe you've come in here tonight and you're kind of coming to watch some family get baptized. And I don't know what your idea of what it means to follow God is all about, but we can have one idea of what it means to follow God. But the reality is, Jesus, God didn't send his son Jesus to die on the cross to set up a religion. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to bring us into a relationship with him. He didn't die to set up a religion. He died to make us his. And Christianity is all about a living relationship with the living God, a personal relationship with the living God. And when you get that right in your life, your whole life will change. You know, like I said, I caused a bit of mischief in and, and South Auckland, and I was really confused because I thought following Jesus was, was about stopping doing bad things and starting to do good things. But how many people know that you can keep the rules and still miss the point? And that was me. I was keeping the rules outwardly. I was going through the motions outwardly, but I still had a heart that was far from God. I didn't have a heart that was surrendered to God or willing to God. But actually, when I surrendered my life to God in my room by myself, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. I didn't even know there was tongues. Started speaking in tongues, praising God. Like, I felt like my whole body was just full of, of fire and full of electricity. I remember walking up to my friends at university and saying, I only had a couple of friends. I found that friend over there and married her so she wouldn't get away. But uh, I... I um, and she's still with me, praise God. And so after 17 years, and I remember walking up to my friends and putting my, my hand on them and saying, can you feel that? Because I just felt so full of life and so full of power. And that's what happens when you come into contact with the living God. See, you can't come in contact with God and walk away the same. You can come in contact with religion and walk away the same. You can't come in touch with Jesus and walk away the same. When we read the gospel, we see that Jesus turned up to a funeral. The guy, Jesus touched the guy. The guy that was dead came back to life. When Jesus touches dead things, they come back to life. When Jesus touches depressed people, they get free. When Jesus touches addicted people, they get free. And so I want to talk about how Jesus is greater than religion. And, you know, like um, uh, Pastor Scott said, you know, we've, we do a whole bunch of different things in community. And one of the things that we do is we started a soup kitchen and uh, we feed like between 200 to about 350 people a week and just feeding them, loving on them. A lot of them are gangsters, guys coming out of crack and coming out of meth. And we just, we have like baptisms every week just seeing people come to Christ. And baptisms are such a powerful thing and we're so excited for those people getting baptized. Can we put our hands together tonight and just honor those people taking that courageous step of faith. And that's amazing. And, and we're seeing people like these radical transformations. And 
I remember a couple of months ago, we had a guy turn up, a mongrel mob guy turn up, quite big. I mean, one of his legs was like uh, two of my legs put together, which actually isn't even that big anyway, but, you know, his legs were big. This massive big mongrel mob guy turned up, and he ended up not liking what we served him. It's crazy how people complain about free food, eh? <laughs> anyway, and so, um, and he just got all upset, and he walked out, tipped some tables over, not like Jesus tipping tables over for a holy reason, he just tipped tables over because he didn't get what he wanted, and went out and put a hole in one of our vans and stormed off, and so we like banned him from our soup kitchen, you know, and so um, you got to be pretty, do something pretty extreme to get banned from our soup kitchen, and so we banned him from, it, from the soup kitchen, and then what happened was he, he just started going downhill. And a couple of days later, he found himself on an overbridge in Palmerston North. This is only a couple of months ago, standing there, not knowing how he got there, standing in the middle of the road wanting to kill himself. A whole bunch of police turned up, and, and the police turned up to get him, and he snapped out of it and just like, what am I doing here? Why am I even here? Standing there in the middle of this overbridge. They went and took him to Ward 21, which is the mental health unit in Palmerston North, and they checked him in, and he was in there for a couple of weeks, and he got out of that mental health unit, and he came straight after that. He came down to see us just after the soup kitchen had finished because he wanted to come down and apologize. And so he walked in late into our, into our soup kitchen. We're just packing up, me and one of the other guys there. And um, he walked in and he said, bro, I'm really sorry, sorry for what I've done. Man, I'm really lost, I'm really confused. He was broken, addicted, bound. This guy is the same birthday as me, the same age as me, which I'm not gonna tell you what that is, but anyway. And, um, and he just, he said, man, I said, let's pray for you. And so we didn't have anything profound to say to him, but all we did was just pray for him. I tell you a true story, this guy went smack down on the ground, started roaring like an animal, got radically delivered from a demonic spirit. Literally this massive guy, I love seeing big guys get smacked down on the ground, man. There's a smack down on the ground by an invisible hand. He got up with both his hands and just started praising God and worshiping God for setting him free. Got rid of all his red stuff, praising and worshiping God. But I tell you, religion can't do that. But a real encounter with the living God will change your life. And when you encounter God, that's why we gotta get hungry. And, and the thing is, as a church, we can never afford to say those people out there need Jesus. Because I need Jesus just as much as they need Jesus, otherwise I'll end up like them, eh? It's like we gotta keep that hunger and that desperation. I think the church has a need to be in need. We've got a need to be in need. And I never wanna to get to a place where I intellectually know the gospel, but I'm not moved by the gospel anymore. That Jesus didn't come for righteous people, he came for sinners like me. He came for people that know that they need him, people with real struggles. Come on, anyone with some real struggles, eh? Well, the rest of you just have communion for breakfast this morning. Well, then I had communion for breakfast. We've got some real struggles. I wanna talk about the, the difference between relationship and religion, a relationship with Christ versus religion. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was immediately on fire and passionate for God, but the truth is I lost my way in religion. I lost my way and we can start off full of faith and on fire for God and end up getting sidetracked and losing our way in religion. I remember not long after I got saved, I got involved in a youth ministry and, and um, I remember turning up to work at my youth ministry uh, early in the morning and as I was coming into work, a guy was coming out of, out of the church that was next door and, he, and I said, hey Steve, what have you been up to? And he said, hey, I've been praying 
And, and straight away I said, bro, you're not supposed to tell anybody when you pray because Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says, when you pray, pray in private don't, and don't let anybody know. And so, you know, here's the thing. I just started, I, I started losing my way in religion, started kind of taking the word of God, which is a sword for our enemies. It's not a sword for our neighbors, eh? The word of God is water for our wives and water for our families and water for our neighbors, not a sword for our neighbors. It's a sword for the enemy. But I started taking that sword and using it on my neighbors. I remember one time when we were first married, I, um, I, we had some visitors over and my wife had a stink attitude. Can I keep it real this afternoon? She had a stink attitude and so I stood her down off my ministry team. That's why I said you gotta put your hands together for, for my wife, 17 years married. That's crazy, we got one. I tell you, you don't, need, you don't need marriage counseling, you just need to come and talk to my wife about what I was like, and you'll be way more grateful about your own husband, eh? Because that's crazy. And I just started losing my way in religion. I started losing my way in religion. I remember one time I read in the scripture how Jesus said, give to all who ask. And I thought that, I took that literally and said, oh, you know, maybe I need a gift to everyone that asks. And so I was working in schools at the time and a young guy came up to me and he asked me for my shoes. And so I took off my shoes and gave them to him. And then word went round that street, uh, that school. And then about six, five or six young people came up and asked me for my shoes. And so I gave away, in one week, gave away all my shoes and I uh, had no shoes at all. Started going to work without shoes. I didn't, but I'm just glad he didn't ask for my clothes, eh? And, but the thing is, we can lose our way in religion. But Jesus didn't come to make us uptight, narrow-minded, critical people. He came to bring life and life to the max, eh? Life and life to the full. And there's a big difference between following Jesus and getting lost in religion. And what I want to do is just break down in the next couple of moments a couple of thoughts around the difference between religion and relationship with God. The first thing is religion is all about pretending. Religion is all about pretending. You know, if we look at anybody in the Gospels and we look at the way Jesus was and interacted with people, we see that Jesus was hardest on people that were hypocritical. We read passages in the Bible where Jesus says, woe to you hypocrites, how can you escape being condemned to hell? That's pretty hard out in Matthew 23. This is Jesus and Jesus had zero tolerance for religious hypocrisy, but unlimited grace for sinners in need of a savior. And you know the word hypocrite, it simply means, literally the word hypocrite just means a pretender. A pretender, someone who's turning up and going through the motions. I was at a conference a little while ago and we were sitting up the front in this pastor section and, and um, they, they, in, the, in the lunchtime they came and gave out a whole bunch of food and uh, these bags came around and they gave us a, a bag of food but I just kept talking through the lunch break and then straight after the lunch break I sat down with everybody and after lunch they went into this kind of intermission where the, the guys got up at this conference and started talking about how they sponsor children. And so I wasn't, in, I wasn't really listening. I was in church, not, not really listening, hopefully like none of you this afternoon. And actually I pulled out my phone and was on my phone taking notes about highly spiritual things. And, um, and you know, I started to get a little bit hungry. And so I reached into this brown paper bag and, and pulled out a little savory, uh, that, a bacon and egg savory and started to eat it. But what they were talking about on the screen was uh, taking up money for child poverty all around the world. 
And so I pulled out this thing and then my, and it was a noisy thing. I pulled it out and I looked over at my wife and she was looking at me, just gave me that look. And when you've been married for a while, you can just look at them and you don't need to say anything, eh? And she was just looking at me and I know she was thinking, I can't take you anywhere. What are you up to? How can you eat at a time like this? And so I put the savory back in the bag and kind of kept, it went back to being on my phone and was kind of taking some notes on my phone. And uh, next thing, around, everyone around me started standing up. And so I thought, oh, maybe everyone's standing up. And so I stood up at the time, still on my phone. And then everybody in the whole room, a room like this, maybe five or 10 times as big as this, started clapping for the people that were standing up. And so I, like, at that moment, I looked around and what they were clapping for, I noticed that everyone wasn't standing up and what they were clapping for, they were clapping for people that actually had decided to sponsor a kid. And I was standing up in the middle and as soon as I realized that, I quickly sat back down and didn't make eye contact with my wife because I knew that I'd just start laughing hysterically. But this is what we can be like in our faith sometimes. Sometimes we can just be going through the motions. Sometimes we can be turning up. Sometimes we can be lifting our hands and singing the songs, but our heart isn't really connected with or engaged with God. See, God doesn't respond to religious activity. He responds to people that are desperate for Him. God responds to people that are full of expectation and full of faith that turned up tonight. I don't know what you turned up believing for. Maybe you turned up believing for another service, but I turned up to believe that I would encounter the living God and that I would walk away different tonight. Religion's about pretending. Relationship is about leaning in. Relationship is about a heart that's fully engaged with God. The next thought I got tonight is that religion obsesses over unimportant things and ignores those things that are highly important. Religion obsesses over unimportant things. And in Mark chapter 7, we see this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are there and, and Jesus turns up and the Pharisees say to Jesus' disciples, why doesn't, why, or to Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And I read that scripture and I think, really? These guys have turned up, they've got Jesus in the midst of them, and they're criticizing these guys and arguing about over not washing your hands before you eat. And the thing with religious people is they're always upset and, and obsessed over things that don't matter. And they ignore the very things that matter. They come into this environment and they criticize the kind of way people do church for this 90 minutes on a Sunday and they, they overlook like faith and they overlook love and they're not concerned about the fact that there's a whole generation of people dying and going to an eternity without God and they get obsessed over unimportant things and they ignore the things that really matter. Come on, I praise God for Equipers Church because this is a church that's focused on the main thing, which is winning a generation of people, reaching a generation of young people. Religious people get all caught up over things that don't matter. They're obsessing and arguing over things that don't even matter. I remember in our soup kitchen, a lady wrote us a letter, and it's always great when you're a pastor and you get a letter, particularly when it's anonymous. And this lady wrote in a letter, and her complaint was that there were people turning up to our soup kitchen, and their pants were hanging down too low so that you could see people's undies. And, and my, I had three thoughts, one I can't say in church, but my other two thoughts were that we are not gonna put rules on a whole bunch of people before they have an opportunity to encounter the living God. That's the first thing. And my second thought was really, we got people coming in here whose lives are broken. 
We've got people with families that are addicted on crack. We've got people that are selling their bodies throughout our nation. We've got people that are bound up with anxiety. They can't even leave the home and you're criticizing and obsessed over this unimportant thing. Jesus' criticism of religion was that they were caught up in unimportant things and they neglected the things that really mattered, which is loving God and loving people. I mean, if anybody could have complicated this thing, it was Jesus. And Jesus didn't complicate it, he simplified it. He boiled this thing down and said, it's not about all that stuff that you're making it into. It's about loving God wholeheartedly. And it's about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that enough to not add a whole bunch of extra things onto that. eh? It's about loving God wholeheartedly and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. The third thing is that I got uh, this afternoon is that religion reduces relationship to rules. And you know the thing is, you can tell, see, God brings us into this relationship with Him, and I don't know about you, but relationship is unpredictable, relationship is crazy. I mean, like I said, I've been married to my wife for 17 years, and I still haven't figured this thing out. She's always changing it on me, just keeping me on my toes, and relationship is unpredictable. And when you get to a place in your faith where you feel like you've got this thing figured out, you've lost the plot. Because this whole thing, you can't reduce it to a set of rules. It's a relationship with God. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is when he healed the sick and when he opened blind eyes, he did it differently. He rocked up to one guy and spat on the ground and, and put mud in their eyes and, and, um, and, and healed that person's eyes through putting mud in their, in their eyes. The other person, he said, go wash in the pool. The other person, he laid his hands on and he was constantly mixing it up because he didn't want us to take what he was doing and reduce it to a formula. Come on, there's no formula for this relationship with God. There's no formula for breakthrough. And we've seen amazing transformation in our community, seen people come to Christ like you are and seen amazing things happening. But that doesn't happen because we follow a formula. It happens because we follow a person. And we love to reduce it into a set of rules so we feel safe because we can have the rules and still be in control of our life. But actually, this is a relationship with a person and he could ask you to do anything at any time. And all he's looking for is a heart that trusts in him and surrenders to him and says, yes, Lord, I'll follow wherever you want me to go. Religion reduces this thing to a a set of rules and misses the point. The last thought that I got, and maybe the band could join me this afternoon, is that religion is all about the outside. Religion's all about the outside. And you know the thing is that the reason religion is about the outside is because we can change the outside of our life without God. You know, like for me personally, I mean, I cleaned my life up outwardly before I became a Christian. I stopped going to parties, stopped sleeping around, stopped kind of getting up to mischief and doing all these outward things. But I tell you, inwardly, I was empty. Inwardly, I still had a heart that was empty. I knew that something was missing. I was depressed. I was full of anxiety. I was full of brokenness. Outwardly, I'd cleaned my life up, but inwardly, my heart was still far from God. And the best that we can do without God is clean our life up outwardly. But when God comes into our life, He changes us from the inside out. This is what He does. He changes us. He does an inside job. And the whole of life is designed to be lived from the inside out. You know when a baby's formed in the, in the mother's womb, it's formed the internal organs of that baby are formed first. The lungs, the heart, everything on the inside, the brains, the nervous system are formed first. And after that, the skin and the nails and the eyelashes are all formed second. And 
the whole of life is designed to be lived from the inside out. Religion's all about the outside. And I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. He says, a Jew isn't a Jew who's one outwardly, but a Jew is a Jew who's one inwardly. And we can be a Christian outwardly and still miss the point. You know, there's nothing outward that defines a Christian. Coming to church doesn't, def- doesn't make you a Christian. Praying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. Reading your Bible doesn't make you a Christian. There's nothing outward that defines a Christian. What defines a Christian is an inward heart change towards God. It's an inward change. And I'm grateful that God isn't looking at our outside life. And religion's all about your outside. Religion's all about come and conform and come and fit in. But God didn't design you to fit in. He designed you to stand out. And relationship with God is about opening our heart and opening our spirit to God. Religion deals with the outside because it doesn't have power to change the inside. You know, I love this verse. I'll close with this thought in Ezekiel 46. And there's this unusual passage in Ezekiel 46. And, you know, I was just really feeling it while we were worshiping, really feeling like God wanted to speak to some people through this passage. But in Ezekiel 46, the Lord gives this instruction and he says, he's talking about the feasts in the Old Testament. And he says, when a person comes into the temple... He's not to come in the same way, he's not to leave the same way that he came. He says, when a priest comes into the temple in Isaiah 46, if he comes in the north gate, he's got to go out the south gate. If he comes in the west gate, he's got to go out the east gate. No one is allowed to enter in, to leave through the same gate that they came in. This is the law of the temple. This is a law pertaining to feasts. And I don't know about you, but we don't care what door you came into. We don't, if you came in that door, we don't care whether you came out that door. We don't care whether you jumped down off the roof. We're just glad that you made it this afternoon here. But God says in the Old Testament, He says, when a priest went in one way, he had to leave through a different gate. And God's trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us that when we come into the presence of God, you cannot come into the presence of God and leave the same way. If you come in addicted, I want to tell somebody this afternoon, if you came into the presence of God addicted, you're going to leave free. If you came in depressed, you're going to leave singing. If you came in bound up with anxiety, you're going to leave free from anxiety, full of a supernatural peace in your life. If you came into the presence of God sick, you're going to leave healed. This is the law of the temple. You can't walk in one way and leave the same way. If you came in with no purpose, You're gonna leave full of purpose, having something to wake up for. You're not gonna need an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning. Purpose is gonna wake you up. You're gonna be so full of purpose, you're not gonna contain it. When you come into the presence of God, we're not talking about a religious system. And Paul didn't say, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, he didn't say, I know what I believe. I'm sure he knew what he believed. But he said, I know in whom I have believed. And there's a difference between knowing what you believe and knowing in whom you believe.